Hello and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman in her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined by our executive director, Kirsten Hassler. Hi everyone. We are continuing our Women's History Month series where we shine a spotlight on womanhood and the women who are making a difference in Congress. We had an amazing and timely interview with Representative Debbie Lesko from Arizona last week. And this week, we want to highlight a brand new Congresswoman. That's right. We had the privilege of interviewing Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado. She was limited on time because things are just absolutely crazy in Congress right now. So we recorded her interview separately. And what I'll do is I'll read her bio and then we'll roll the clip. Representative Bobert is currently serving her first term as representative for Colorado's third congressional district. She is the co-chair of the Congressional Second Amendment Caucus, vice chairman of the Congressional Western Caucus, an ex-officio steering member on the Republican Study Committee, and an active member of the House Freedom Caucus. Congresswoman Bobert is 34 years old and is from Rifle, Colorado. She is the first woman, first mother, and youngest ever to represent Colorado's third district. She is the owner and operator of Shooter's Grill, a Western theme restaurant where staff open carry. She worked as a natural gas product technician, GIS technician, and pipeline integrity coordinator. Congresswoman Bober is married to natural gas drilling foreman who has worked his entire adult life in the oil and gas fields. Congresswoman Boebert ran because Washington is broken and she was tired of career politicians to uphold their promises and serve the people they were supposed to represent. Aren't we all tired of that? (laughs) So here's our interview with her. Today we have with us one of the newest members of Congress, Representative Lauren Boebert. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So first off, we would love to know a little bit more about your journey to Congress. So tell us a little bit about your background and how that played into your passion for making a difference on the federal level. Well, I'm a mom. Uh, Above all else, I'm a mom to four boys and I'm so proud of them. That was my, uh, my number one dream growing up was to be a mom and to take care of my family and have a, a home for them. And uh, that's, I found out I could do a lot more <laughs> than that as well. Um, part of being a mom is ensuring my children have a secure future. They have the same opportunities that I had in life. They have uh, freedom, they have liberty. And that's what I'm here fighting for. I grew up in a Democrat household, and I I know how those policies limit individuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen firsthand that government really wants so much control that it limits all your abilities. And uh, for us, it it put us in a cycle of poverty that was nearly impossible to get out of. And there was certainly no incentive. We weren't incentivized to get out of that. Uh, At 11 years old, I stood in bread lines. I waited for government cheese and that's not America's best, but at a very young age, I started working and putting my hand to something and creating wealth showed me that I could do a better job taking care of myself than government ever could. I I spent time in my community 
ministering to women at the local jail. And that I think blessed me more than it did some of them. And uh, it, was, it was a great time in my life. Uh, several years I would go into the jail and encourage these women and let them know that their past didn't have to affect their future. I, I went in and uh, I, I'm a Christian. And so this was a, a faith-based ministry. And I personally introduced these women into the God who could turn their shame into glory and who could restore whatever their past looked like and lead and guide and launch them into a successful future. Uh, later on, I began to create opportunities for these women to, uh, to have a successful life. I opened a restaurant in Rifle, Colorado, and I saw that creating opportunity for people in my community was far more powerful than any government program could ever be. And uh, so now not only am I a mom, but I'm a business owner and I have the opportunity to change lives, to impact my community. And I'm not just signing the backs of paychecks, I sign fronts of paychecks and that's very rewarding. That's wonderful and so encouraging. Kirsten and I are boy, boy moms too. And, um, and we're working and we're doing a lot of things. And so we can totally identify with, with that. Our listeners, you know, come from that same background too. And so uh, it's wonderful to have someone in Congress that really represents our views and our lifestyle. Um, you, I mean, it's no mistake that you are a defender of our constitution and um, you have been a very outspoken, there have been a lot of headlines. I mean, I mean, you have really made a splash in Congress. So can you tell us some of the issues you're passionate about when it comes to American freedoms? Sure. Well, through my restaurant, uh, we have uh, a unique thing that happens there. Uh, most people say you're not allowed to talk about religion or government. And in my business, that's almost all we talk about. Uh, so there's a lot of conversations that take place about the Constitution, the founding of our country, the intent that the founding fathers had when they drafted uh, and, and signed the Constitution, when our Bill of Rights were, uh, were put into effect. And uh, through my restaurant, I saw that our rights were being eroded. They were being taken away by power-hungry politicians who swore to secure our right, who took an oath to uphold and defend our constitution. And uh, in my restaurant, we kind of have a niche for the Second Amendment, but that's because of real life. It didn't start because of any kind of gimmick or, or, even, um, or even as a stand for our rights. Uh, there was a man who was beat to death outside of my restaurant. Mm -hmm. And as a young uh, female who isn't very strong, physically strong, uh, I needed a way to protect the people around me. A, a man was beat to death and lost his life outside of my restaurant. I had to protect everyone that was there. And so I needed an equalizer. I took advantage of Colorado's open carry laws. So I would have something against uh, to use against a potential stronger aggressor. And uh, that's when I started standing firm on our second amendment. I saw all of the uh, legislation that was coming through that would restrict people like myself from being able to defend themselves. So uh, along with the entire constitution, I am a staunch advocate for our second amendment. 
And, and really that's just an advocacy for freedom. Who would have thought that loving the constitution, loving America, loving freedom and liberty would uh, label, would cause you to be labeled as an extremist or a radical. Uh, I, I just want this country to remain exceptional. Uh, I, I will oppose the left's attack on free speech, religious liberty, privacy, and the fundamental protections in our constitution that Democrats seem to hate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you really joined Congress at a hard time with uh, Democratic leadership, not only in the House, but also the Senate and the White House. So what are you doing to help hold the line on some of these really important conservative issues that you just mentioned? Right now, the American people need a voice. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I, I am not only here to defend the rights of the people, but I'm here to be their voice. I promised the voters back home, uh, my constituents in, in my district, that I would come to Washington, D.C. and speak on their behalf. I would give voice to the issues that matter most to them. I would represent the issues that matter to them here in Washington, D.C., in hopes of getting D.C. out of Colorado and more Colorado in D.C. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, this last year has been really hard on many Americans, and it's still very tense right now. So we just want to know what piece of hope are you clinging to that our listeners can cling to as well? Um, well, first of all, my, my hope is in my uh, foundation, in, in the foundation of my faith. Um, God is where my hope comes from. And it's not just a, a wishy-washy hope, gosh, I, I hope we get through this. It's a favorable, confident expectation uh, mm -hmm. that what, what God has promised will be done. I've read the end of the book, we win. And <laughs> I believe that the American people are tenacious and uh, we will come out of any adverse trial stronger than ever. Uh, when the people get together in agreement uh, there, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. So I have, I have hope for the American people um, to, to not give up on, on this country. Uh, I know that we can do remarkable things if we all stick together. Uh, of course, the Democrats have control of Congress. They, they have the White House. It seems like they have the Supreme Court at times. And uh, so it, it, it is very uh, disheartening uh, to look at it that way. But I, I think it's the, the frustrations and, and the hope for our future that we see is, is keeping us strong throughout all of this. Uh, you know, I, I think the American people need to know that, that we have um, hope and uh, a chance to fight for, for fair elections here. We need to get control of that. We need to get control of our school systems and, and probably the media too. And if we could tackle those three things, um, we can go a long way. Uh, but you know, we have, we have things that are coming through Congress like HR1, uh, they, they call it uh, For the People Act, but I know the people. And I've, I've, I've read most of this bill and it's not For the People Act, it's right. the For the Swamp Act. Uh, <laughs> they would use tax dollars to fund political campaigns mm -hmm. by multiplying money into, uh, into politics by 600%. For every $1 that a donor donates, politicians will get six taxpayer dollars. That's not right. We don't want taxpayer fund, uh, funded politicians. Uh, you know, this is speaking of this never ending HR one, uh, it would, it would turn election day into election month by making the fraudulent uh, pandemic style features of the 2020 election 
permanent. They would codify everything that we saw in the 2020 election. Uh, ballot harvesting could begin 45 days before election day and voters could be, uh, votes could be counted until 10 days after election day. Uh, this is just very dangerous and it's, it's truly a DC takeover of our federal elections. Uh, so I want the American people to have hope that, that this is this is on our radar and this is something that we are uh, working on. They, they call this, um, the Democrats call HR1 fortifying our elections. Um, you know, we, we want to fortify uh, security and confidence in our elections. And I don't think you do it by using uh, the people's money to fund politicians. Yeah, that's definitely the swamp, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So uh, before we let you go, just one more question for you. How can our listeners follow your efforts through Capitol Hill and what you're doing back home in your district? Uh, yes. So on, on Twitter, I am at Rep. Lauren Boebert, and then I have my uh, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert Facebook page. And then there's also my, my website, boebert.house.gov. And uh, you can sign up for my e-newsletters and stay involved with what we're doing. I have the best staff on the Hill. I have the best staff in district, and we are working each and every day for the people. So if you follow us there, you'll see exactly what we're doing and how we are getting this message out to the American people and, uh, and, and fortifying hope in the American people. That's wonderful. Well, we'll, we will let you go to do more work on the Hill. You have been excellent. So we look forward to seeing many more things come from your office. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Congresswoman Bobart's story is just so relatable. The fact that she can balance being a wife, a mom, a small business owner, and a Congresswoman on Capitol Hill is really an amazing feat. I know. Uh, that's more than I can do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Especially pregnant. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about one of my favorite parts of her story. Um, she has been so driven to make a difference because of the situations of her past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this goes to show that no matter how you were raised, no matter what ills have come your way, you can make those into something good. Um, like, you know, she talks about how she grew up in a household on welfare and how she protected her employees after a man was killed outside of her restaurant. You know, this seems to be something that's ingrained into her character, which is great for a Congresswoman to have. Um, we've, we've seen that play out in Congress too. She has sponsored or co-sponsored at least 57 bills, which is enormous um, and really great for a freshman in Congress. They range from issues on valuing life and protecting girls in sports to energy related bills and protecting veterans benefits, just to name a few. And she's also been a solid vote against some of the bills that we've talked about on this podcast, like the Equality Act and HR1. And we'll be posting several resources and ways to engage throughout the week. And if you're listening to our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum. We're coming at you with a special segment. So are we, are we for sure on Swamp Beat? I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be cute. All right, so we're doing another Swamp Beat, Tabitha? Yep, here we go. <laughs>
We are back with another Swampy, and this week we are watching two immigration bills coming to the House floor. We talked about Biden's massive amnesty plan previously, but these are actually two additional bills that bring amnesty to millions of illegal immigrants and more. How do you keep this on track, Tabitha? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's difficult. (laughs) So the first bill is H.R. 6, the American Dream and Promise Act. This would grant automatic citizenship to 2.9 million individuals who enter the United States as a minor. You probably know this better as DACA, or the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. This bill also grants citizenship to an additional 320,000 illegal immigrants who fall under temporary protected status. It's really ironic that the program uses the word temporary in its title when Congress is offering them permanent residence. Right. It's so true. Instead of assessing the needs of each immigrant under that program, they are once again issuing a one-size-fits-all plan that only puts a Band-Aid on the problem instead of offering real solutions. And I feel like we say that all the time, but I digress. Um, The second bill is H.R. 1537, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which will grant citizenship to over 1 million agriculture workers and their relatives. It would also replace the current worker program with one where immigrants can work a certain number of hours to obtain a green card. Guys, this is indentured servitude. This isn't merit-based or skill-based. These immigrants would have to work for little pay to obtain citizenship. So you have Democrats pushing for a $15 national minimum wage on one hand that wouldn't apply to many of these agriculture jobs, yet they are okay with bringing immigrants over for cheap labor by dangling a green card in front of them. Hmm. How about that? Yeah, and what's even crazier is the really the current crisis at our border. Bills like these only serve as incentives for people to continue to flood into the United States. Border apprehensions have increased 300%. New detention facilities are are being built and used to 100% capacity. COVID tests are being waived and the Department of Homeland Security is begging for more volunteers to help with a massive influx of arrivals. This is an extremely unsafe for our nation. Both bills have passed the House previously, so they're likely to pass again. While H.R. 6 passed with only seven Republicans voting in favor last time, H.R. 1537 poses more of a problem since it passed with 34 Republicans who broke party lines. Now, we've created an alert for you to contact your representative about this that we'll link below. It's super easy. Um, They need to know that widespread amnesty measures like these and indentured servitude Mm -hmm. is unacceptable and un-American. We are also working on an episode about immigration for you guys with Rosemary Jinx from Numbers USA. They are a fabulous organization who delves into this. I get a lot of my information from them, so that's how I keep up. It's not just me alone. (laughs) But um, we hope that you guys will check them out at Numbers USA and then stay tuned for our episode on immigration as well. We will let you know how these bills shake out. So see you next time.